We'll hear argument this afternoon in case 138 in our original docket, South Carolina against North Carolina. Mr. Frederick. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. South Carolina seeks an equitable apportionment with North Carolina of the Catawba River. Both states act as parents' patriae on behalf of all users of the river within their boundaries. For three reasons, this Court should not adopt the Special Master's recommendation that Charlotte, Duke, and the Catawba River Water Supply Project be permitted to intervene as parties in this original action. First, the report articulates the wrong legal test for intervention. Second, under the New Jersey versus New York standard, none of the three entities should be permitted to intervene. And third, the report's approach to intervention involves this Court in deciding intramural disputes between and among water users in one state. With respect to the first point, the Special Master applied the wrong factors we would submit in deciding whether or not a party or an intervener should be allowed to intervene as a party. The Special Master sought to distill from this Court's cases three principles that we would submit are not the appropriate principles in deciding an intervener's status. First, the, the report overemphasizes the, quote, direct stake, although the Master found that, that equitable apportionment had no specific impact on individual users of the water. I the, thought your friends agreed that the New Jersey versus New York standard applied. Your, your Honor, part of what you will be deciding in this case is the appropriate standard for intervention, and the Special Master, we respectfully submit, did not apply the New Jersey versus New York factors. Instead, the report distilled from other cases, not the New, New Jersey versus New York case, the principles that she thought should apply to govern an intervener status. And those three principles we would submit are incorrect. Under the New Jersey versus New York standard, the master did not make findings that would be appropriate to determine the uh, intervener status here as appropriate parties. There was no finding of inadequate representation by either state to support any of the intervener's uh, request to participate as parties. There was no finding of a compelling interest in the sense that it was truly compelling. It's hard to argue in cases in, where there is no case from this Court in the equitable apportionment area that three interveners would have met the compelling interest standard here. And finally, the New York, uh, New Jersey standard talks about having interests that are apart from other interests. But both Charlotte and the Catawba River Water Supply Project are simply acting on behalf of all users of North Carolina water. They simply happen to be the largest ones. Mr. Frederick, we, we had a case involving uh, what, a tax on, uh, on um, oil uh, companies uh, in which uh, it was a state-against-state state case, but we allowed uh, the uh, oil companies who would pay the tax to intervene. Now, why is that any different from this case? First, the interests were different. They were not an equitable apportionment where the what, water — Why does that make any difference? This Court has said for 200 years that water is a unique resource within the sovereign control of states. In the Maryland case, the Court permitted intervention in a situation in which Louisiana had sued the pipeline companies in Louisiana State Court 
for a declaratory judgment that its tax was constitutional. There was also a pending FERC action in federal court in Louisiana raising the same issue. So when Maryland and eight other states who were not parents patriae of the various pipeline companies who sought to intervene filed the original action, I think the Court appropriately considered that interests of judicial efficiency called for handling the Commerce Clause challenge in the original action in this case. And finally, the Court only devoted two sentences of its opinion um, and didn't cite the New Jersey versus Delaware, uh, New York versus uh, New Jersey case in acting on the intervention. Yeah, well, well, these, these, these are rules that, that we are making up ourselves, right, as to when we're going to allow intervention or not. Do you, is there any case, I, I think there isn't, but, but tell me if I'm wrong, is there any case in which we have rejected intervention that has been recommended by the special master? I don't think I can recall a case in that factual scenario, but I can point you to Kentucky versus Indiana in 1930, in which this Court rejected Kentucky's attempt to join individual Indiana citizens as parties in an original action over Indiana's alleged breach of a contract to build an interstate bridge. And I, I understand your basic argument with that each state should represent its own constituents. But isn't the Catawba River water supply project in a different category? Because it straddles both states, and I think it can reasonably fear that it would be treated as a, a stepchild by both states. No. In fact, Mr. Chief Justice, I, I would submit they have the weakest claim to intervention in this case. Their argument fundamentally is that Union County, North Carolina, which is the North Carolina part of the joint venture with the Lancaster Water District, should be permitted to have water purchased from the South Carolina side of the boundary. So what's happening with that water project is the water is sucked out on the South Carolina side and piped north for Union County's consumption under a Union County permit with the state of North Carolina. Union County, therefore, is acting as any other user of water uh, along with Charlotte and all other users of water in North Carolina. The Catawba Project is not here to intervene to protect its interests on the South Carolina side of the boundary. Those are adequately protected, we submit, by the Attorney General acting on behalf of the State. So, in effect, the Union County, North Carolina claim here of 5 million gallons of water per day, which they are seeking to protect through their intervention, is no different than the other interests of North Carolina water users that they are seeking to protect. Well, except that. These these three entities are the principal uh, entities that are guilty of interbasin transfers, which is essentially what uh, what the dispute is about. The dispute is about the transfer of water and consumption of water in toto. The court well, but the focus the focus of the complaint is upon interbasin transfers, isn't it? The focus of the complaint highlights interbasin transfers to the extent that they are a large quantifiable amount of water being taken out of the Catawba River that we submit should not be counted Exactly. And and these three entities account for a a very large proportion of those interbasin transfers. Isn't it the case that any any decision by by this Court on, on this question will necessarily impact directly these three entities? No. Why not? Because in an equitable apportionment case, this Court decides which 
share of the water is allocable to each state. It is a question of state law how each state shall determine the intrastate allocations of the water. I understand that, but I'm talking about the real world. If, if, uh, indeed, North Carolina has to cut back, and if, indeed, the opinion of this Court says that it's taking too much because of interbasin transfers, as a practical matter, these three entities are going to be out of luck. We take the real world, Your Honor, as this Court's cases direct us, and those cases tell us that in situations where the Court is deciding an equitable apportionment between two states, water, of course, is, is fungible. It's a, it's a series of molecules that are, do not accord property rights in any one entity or user. They all divine from the state itself. So if North Carolina, in its exercise of parents' patriae responsibility, determines that Charlotte should have a larger share than what it currently has, that's a decision for Charlotte, for North Carolina as a political entity to decide among its users. It does not necessarily implicate this Court's action in an equitable apportionment to say that what the Court will ultimately decide is what Charlotte's share is. That is not what we're seeking, and that's not what an injunction from this Court equitably apportioning the Catawba River would necessarily decide. Are you representing um, if this were an ordinary civil case, we would be guided by the rule on permissive intervention, and appellate courts in dealing with that rule uh, give a healthy measure of respect to the trial judge's determination. So even though the civil rules are not binding in original jurisdiction cases, isn't that a sound approach that we should adopt? Just as a court of appeals would defer to a district judge's decision, so we should give a healthy measure of deference to the special master's evaluation that this will be useful. No, for several reasons, Justice Ginsburg. First, in any appellate review situation, this Court would review de novo the legal test that would be applied. Our initial submission is the master applied and articulated the wrong legal test. So you would first need to determine, we would submit, what is the correct legal test for submission. That is a de novo review standard. But secondly, the Court has said uh, in numerous original cases it does not apply deference, although it gives appropriate respect to special masters. And so there would be no basis for applying a deference standard to a special master ruling on a question of law that fundamentally is uh, about what this Court's original jurisdiction under Article Three is supposed to be about. But, in fact, we've never rejected a special master's uh Desire to uh, to have interveners in the case. Well, virtually every case just and, and that oil case that I mentioned. I forget the name of it. The tax Maryland versus Louisiana. Yeah, what had the special master recommended? Uh, in that case? There was an, actually no special master recommendation in that case. The court decided it um, on its uh, motion directly to this court. Virtually all of the cases that we've cited in the blue brief highlight the fact that special masters routinely reject motions to intervene. It is the rare situation in which a special master would allow intervention. And the only example that the other side can come up with is the Nebraska versus Wyoming case, in which finally Basin Electric, after 10 years of participating in the original action as an amicus, 
was allowed to intervene because the special master viewed there to be tension between the state of Nebraska's interest and that that Basin Electric was seeking to vindicate. Mr. United- Frederick, can we go back a little? I think you just said there was no special master's recommendation in Maryland v. Louisiana, but I'm looking at page 745 and the footnote 21. It said, the master recommended that we grant the motion of 17 pipeline companies to intervene as plaintiffs. And then it says, um, it is not unusual to permit intervention of private parties in original actions. And the case that it cited is Oklahoma versus Texas, which is a very unusual case from this Court's docket in the 1920s. What the Court decided in 1932, Justice Ginsburg, in the Wyoming and Colorado case, was that in situations involving interstate allocations of water, the claimants or users of a state are deemed to be represented by the state. The case on which the Court relied in the Maryland case was back into an old era in which it was unclear whether states acting as parents patriae had the responsibility to act on behalf of all claimants or users of water. The Maryland case, as I said before, did not analyze the New Jersey versus uh, New York factors. And I would submit that in light of the other circumstances of the case, the fact that it was a Commerce Clause challenge involving federal, state, and private companies in which there was multiple litigation pending in various forums, it was an exercise of the Court's decision to efficiently decide the Commerce Clause challenge to allow those pipeline companies in, where some of those pipeline companies were not represented by states that were parties in the case. I I guess I haven't heard yet an answer to Justice Ginsburg's first question about whether there was a recommendation from the special master or not. I I will — I obviously forgot about footnote 21 of the Court's opinion in Maryland versus Louisiana, Justice Ginsburg. But I think — Counsel, I don't know that you've actually — address the operative question of what amount of discretion, if any, are we going to give to special masters to determine when they require the presence of a party to do equity, which is what I read the special master to be suggesting. These are the three biggest users of water. At least one of them um, straddles both states. Another has a potential license. And so that each of them has a different situation than a normal water user. So you're, all you're begging is the question of whether we just say you can't. But why is the you can't compelled? This Either by our case law or by any original jurisdiction principle. Well, Let's start with the original jurisdiction principle. Those are actions that are brought in invoking this Court's original jurisdiction, which this Court could sit without a special master and would decide the matter as it sits as a court of nine. The fact that it appoints a special master to assist and facilitate that effort does not imbue the actions of that uh, person delegated that responsibility with something akin to the deference given to district judges uh, in making various fact findings. Secondly, on a question of law, 
as intervention fundamentally is, and ultimately we're talking about the scope and contours of this Court's exercise of original jurisdiction, what the Court has said is that there are two interests that are ultimately being protected. One is the dignity interests of the State acting in its sovereign capacity on a subject, water, that quintessentially is sovereign, and it is doing so for judicial efficiency purposes because it allows the Court to expect each State to represent adequately all of the users of water in that State. So for those reasons, we think that a special master recommendation ought to be reviewed with the same level of scrutiny that all other aspects of a special well, we've, master. We've, we've allowed private parties to be impleted by, by the states. We've allowed one state to sue another state and a private party. Not in an equitable apportionment. And, and I think the, the scope of the relief is important. And that is because the state seeking the relief is assuming the risk that the relief that it wants to get from that state is an inadequate form of relief. Here, the form of relief South Carolina seeks goes only against North Carolina. We cannot get an equitable apportionment with Charlotte or the Catawba Project. We can only get it from North Carolina. I, 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 I see your lights on, but uh, can, can we take this case on the assumption that nothing uh, that you obtain in the way of relief will affect Duke Power under the Comprehensive Relicensing Agreement? Don't yep. we have to take the case on the assumption that uh, their rights under that agreement might be affected? They might be affected, but only in an ancillary way. It is an apl- part of an application to the FERC. The FERC here is saying it does not affect it because the license itself will not dictate minimum but- are, are you saying you're not seeking result that's inconsistent in any way with that agreement? Neither the agreement, and this is at page 51 to 52 of our brief, citing 39 of the uh, CRA, says it doesn't affect water rights. The final environmental impact statement from FERC says it doesn't affect apportionment interstate issues. Uh, both FERC and the CRA itself disclaim any impact on the equitable portion and action pending here, if I could save the balance of my time. Thank you, Mr. Frederick. Mr. Miller? Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. In order to intervene in an original action in this Court, a citizen of a State that is a party to the action must show a compelling interest separate from that of other citizens that is not properly represented by the State. In an equitable apportionment action, the interest that is at stake is not a private property interest in water. Rather, it is the sovereign interest of a state in a particular share of the waters of an interstate river. For that reason, a private interest in water is not an appropriate basis for intervention in such a proceeding. It depends on, I suppose, on what you mean by is not properly represented by the state. If you think the state does not have a sufficient interest to uh, defend that that particular uh, right vigorously, uh, might that not be, uh, might not that qualify? Well, I, I think that the, the interest that uh, the, the private party has is a state law property interest in water, and that's an interest that simply isn't at stake in an equitable apportionment action. The only thing that this Court is deciding uh, is what share uh, of the river does each state get. Uh, the Court in an equitable apportionment action does not decide the purely intrastate question of how will that share uh, be allocated. I think you could say that realistically when you're talking about an individual water user 
a small potatoes water user, a, a normal resident of Charlotte, perhaps. But when you're talking about the biggest entities that are going to be affected by the apportionment, I, it really doesn't, doesn't ring true to me. Well, that, I mean, in, in uh, New Jersey against New York, Philadelphia, which sought to intervene in that case, uh, constituted a majority uh, of the water users within uh, the state of Philadelphia. Did, uh, so did the special master think Philadelphia should have been let in? I, I don't recall what the special master. The answer is no. Uh, said in that case, but uh, th this Court has uh, held in, for example, Colorado against New Mexico, that even on purely factual questions, uh, the special master is, uh, who, who makes recommendations, is, and those recommendations are reviewed by this Court de novo. Uh, the Court is not sitting in an appellate capacity. Uh, this is a case within its original jurisdiction, and this Court has an independent responsibility uh, to make a determination, uh, even on factual questions and, and a fortiori on questions uh, of intervention. Yeah, but we have we have been sitting there uh, uh, trying to figure out what would facilitate the proceeding. Uh, much of the uh, uh, discovery in the case has already focused on these three entities, hasn't it? That's right. And to, to, to the extent no, to say that they're just, you know, they're just Joe Dokes uh, is, is really very unrealistic. Well, to, to, the, I mean, to the extent that they have uh, valuable information to provide, a third-party discovery can take account of that, as can amicus participation. Uh, it would be entirely appropriate for uh, parties that have information or a special perspective on the case to present an amicus submission uh, to the special master or, or to this court. Uh, and then... But, but that's, that's not a basis for allowing them to, to become uh, full parties uh, through intervention. Uh, and to the extent that there's a concern about the management of this case, I, I think it's important to keep in mind that the rule uh, recommended by the special master and, and the rule that uh, the would-be interveners are, are urging this Court to adopt uh, would, of course, apply uh, not just in this litigation but in every uh, equitable apportionment action. Uh, and not only does it make the litigation of those actions uh, much more difficult to have uh, additional non-state parties in, uh, but it makes it much more difficult for those cases to be settled. Uh, well, if that, if and when that is the case, the special master will not want them to come in, as the vast majority of special masters have not wanted them to come in in the past. I don't think that's going to change. I, mean, I, I, I guess what I would say is that I, I don't think that either in the, the recommendation uh, of the special master in this case or in uh, the submissions of the, the uh, would-be interveners, uh, that there's really any uh, logical uh, limiting principle uh, that would not allow, uh, as a matter of routine, large water users uh, to come in to equitable apportionment actions. Uh, and that's inappropriate for, for the more fundamental reason that uh, these original actions uh, in this Court are not ordinary cases. Uh, this Court has said that you know, sitting in judgment uh, between two sovereigns uh, is one of the most grave, the grave and delicate responsibilities that the Court has, uh, and it's a sparingly exercised uh, jurisdiction reserved for uh, the most serious of issues, the issues of such importance that if the states were uh, independent countries uh, would be resolved through treaty. But, not, but or, not reserved exclusively to state, to, to suits between a state and another state. We've allowed it to cover suits between a state and another state and private citizens of the other state. Yes, and, and when a state uh, brings such an action or, or seeks to bring such an action, it can't simply file a complaint as of right. Uh, it has to seek this Court's 
permission to file the complaint, and this Court can review the complaint at that time and look at who the parties are and figure out whether it's an appropriate case for the exercise of this Court's jurisdiction. And that, in, in our view, is a much more appropriate way to proceed, making that determination at the outset on the basis of the State's complaint, rather than through piecemeal litigation uh, as different non-State well, parties. The complaint was South Carolina's complaint, and these are interveners on North Carolina's, on North Carolina's side. That, that's where they're seeking to intervene on North Carolina's side as defendants. That, that's but right. As representing the position of the United States, would you address the FERC license that uh, Duke Energy is raising? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, under uh, Section 27 of the Federal Power Act, which is 16 U.S.C. 821, uh, the Power Act does not affect uh, state law water rights. So state law water rights are taken as a given, uh, and it's up to the licensee to have the necessary uh, state water rights. And a FERC license does not uh, in any way alter the distribution of state law uh, property rights in water. And what the Commission uh, has said in this case in the final environmental impact uh, statement with respect to Duke's uh, relicensing application, which is available on the Commission website, it cited Section 27, and it said, uh, any license that is issued will not impose requirements, including minimum fl flows, that infringe on water rights or apportionments. Uh, so the Commission uh, is aware of the pendency of this case. Well, it isn't a matter of infringing on water rights or apportionments. I mean, th that does not exclude, it seems to me, the revocation of the license or the denial of a re renewal of the license because Duke Power does not have enough water. That wouldn't preclude that, would it? Well, the the... the Nature of this proceeding makes that outcome um, not uh, not something that would happen even if South Carolina were to prevail, because what South Carolina is seeking is to get more water uh, flowing downstream to it, and so the the licensing conditions, uh, which generally impose minimum flow requirements uh, at each of the various dams operated by Duke, uh, would be easier to satisfy, not harder to satisfy, uh, if. South Carolina were uh, had an entitlement to getting more water uh, flowing through. Uh, I, I don't, I don't understand. What happens to North Carolina if it has less water? What does it do with respect to Duke? Uh, well, Duke, I mean, Duke's dams, uh, the, the licensing condition is that each dam allow a certain amount of water uh, to flow through uh, under, under the current license that they're operating and there, there are different minimum flow requirements under the renewal license that is being sought. Uh, but uh, an order, in effect, requiring that they let more water fl flow through would not be in conflict uh, with the licensing requirement that uh, — Well, well why, isn't Duke power on, why isn't Duke Power on the other side, then? I, I mean, I, I — They have smart lawyers. Well, they uh, — I, I, one, one possibility is, of course, that Duke is, uh, in addition to op being an operator of dams, Duke is a very large consumer of water. In fact, it's the largest consumer uh, of water on the Catawba uh, system because of its coal and nuclear power plants, which uh, use water uh, evaporatively for cooling of the power plants. So, uh, well, it, it may also be that when it has to increase the outflow, the level of its uh, impoundments uh, reduces, and that may affect uh, its ability to generate power, which in turn may may affect its license. Uh, it, 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 it may uh, have some effect on its ability to, to, uh, to, to generate power, but that makes it 
uh, a large industrial user of water uh, akin to those that the Court referred to in New Jersey against New York, uh, which are not entitled to intervene. I, I would also point out in uh, further response, Mr. Chief Justice, to your question that Duke is a North Carolina corporation, uh, which uh, may be why it's uh, seeking to come in uh, on the North Carolina side of this case. But uh, <clears throat> I, mean, I, I want to return to the, the, the idea that these uh, kinds of cases are not uh, ordinary cases. Uh, they, they involve uh, sovereign interests, and I think what's important about that uh, is that uh, the interests Mr. Miller, if I, if I understood your argument, you're saying that Duke's interests are really with South Carolina, or if he agrees to flow. But I would think then it would be North Carolina who would be objecting to their participation in the case rather than South Carolina. Uh, and they don't. They, they, they welcome them in, as I remember the papers. Right. Uh, as I said, Duke is uh, an operator of uh, thermal power plants that are large consumers of water, and some of those are located in North Carolina. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Council. You. Mr. Bartolomucci. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The Special Master correctly concluded that Charlotte, Duke, and the Catawba River Water Supply Project should intervene in this original action. Her recommendation deserves some deference because she is in the best position to know whether these parties would assist her in the adjudication of this complex dispute. This is our original jurisdiction. Uh, I regard the special master as more akin to a law clerk than a district judge. We don't defer to somebody who's an aide that we've assigned to help us gather things here. I think we, on legal questions of intervention, we have to decide de novo. Our claim is not that the special master should get deference on legal questions, but she should get deference on, on the narrow question of whether it would be helpful to her to have these interveners in the case. But She's tell me what she said that makes them helpful. That they, what can they provide that couldn't be done by merely an amici submission? Well, she pointed out, for example, that uh, Duke Energy, uh, which controls the flow of this river and is participating in the FERC proceedings, would establish a, a direct link uh, between this adjudication and what's going on before the FERC. And, of course, those two proceedings have, have a lot of interaction. Uh, I think she, it's also fair to read. Well, your adversary has just said none, according to the terms of the license and what the FERC has said. So why is why don't we just take what FERC has said oh, oh, I at think, face value? I, I think FERC has not said that there will be uh, no, no effect uh, — there will be no effect upon the licensing proceeding from, from the original action. Uh, there could be a conflict between uh, the decree that comes down, if one comes down in this Court, and the terms of the FERC license. Yeah, I think all FERC said is, is that nothing in its license would, uh, would require allocation of water by, by North Carolina. And that's quite different from whether, uh, whether a, a, a severe reduction in the uh, — in uh, the water that Duke can use would have, would affect uh, the light the nature of the license given by FERC. Well, Duke, of course, pulled together 69 other stakeholders to join the comprehensive relicensing agreement uh, to, to smooth uh, FERC's acceptance of, of a new license. And this original action uh, is will pit the two Carolinas, each of which seeks to maximize their share of the river, 
And those interests work at odds with the CRA, which endorses a compromise middle flow position uh, that, uh, that neither of the Carolinas uh, seeks to defend. Counsel, let action. me tell you what I'm very worried about. This is our original jurisdiction, the delicate jurisdiction that allows us to d- resolve disputes between sovereign states. And I look out and I see all sorts of private parties intervening in a way that would give them party status. And I think that's compromising what our original jurisdiction is supposed to be about. Mr. Chief Justice, uh, private parties and cities have intervened in the past in original actions and have been named as defendants in original actions. But even in the New Jersey against New York uh, dis- uh, decision, the dissenters there that would have allowed the intervi- intervention did say that, in general, it is unwise to encumber original jurisdiction cases with non-state parties. That was even the dissenters. So you start out with, in general, it's not wise to let these people come in. And following up on the chief's question, a state can't be sued without its consent. And it's true here that um, South Carolina is, in, is initiating the action, but it's initiating the action against a sister state. The special master's recommendation would require the state to have as its direct adversary three parties who are not a sister state. And that kind of dilutes the notion of original jurisdiction. It's a controversy between Two states. Well, in uh, Justice Ginsburg, in the case of New Jersey versus New York, New York City was a party defendant. And in this case, the city of Charlotte occupies the exact same position. That's as New because York city. the state chose to sue it as a party defendant. It, it did, but of course, a state can only sue a proper party defendant. Whether the question is intervention or whether it's naming a, a city as a defendant in original action, both have to pass the test of is this city uh, or non-state a proper party defendant? You, all of the interveners, prospective interveners, they want to make sure North Carolina doesn't lose water, right? Uh, that, that is not uh, their well, they, exclusive interest. Well, they want to reduce South Carolina's claim on the water. No. It, Duke Energy, for example, doesn't have an interest in maximizing the flow on the North Carolina side of the river. Uh, Duke's, Duke Energy's interest is in preserving the, the flow compromise reflected in the CRA. Well, okay, to the extent they have differing interests, why aren't those interests fully satisfied by amicus participation? Well, when uh, — when South Carolina first opposed, for example, Charlotte's motion to intervene, it said, oh, Charlotte, you can file an amicus brief as to any dispositive motion. Well, that kind of amicus participation is vastly different from being able to shape the record on which the, uh, the, the key issues in this case shape are finally decided. Shape the record, decided. but an and intervention status would give you the right to uh, uh, appeal, right? It would allow us to seek leave to file exceptions to an ult- to uh, right an appeal in the normal case. Well, that's yes. my question. If we grant intervention in this type of case, and there's no reason it would be three. I mean, in the next case it could be 20 different interveners, and they're filing exceptions every other week that we have to uh, review and and adjudicate uh, because they're not bound by whether or not the state that is on their side wants to file exceptions. 
Well, let me say two things, Mr. Chief Justice. If the proposed decree affects the interests of, of Charlotte or, or the joint venture or Duke, I think they ought to be allowed to file exceptions, which this Court can uh, grant leave or not. Uh, as to the specter of, of 20 possible So how does that get us to avoid involvement in interstate, intrastate disputes over water use? That just drags us right into your problems among your water users. Well, South Carolina and the United States present this vision of an equitable apportionment action in which the special master simply divides up the, the flow of the river, and then it's up to each state to subdivide among its, its users. But that is not what has happened in equitable apportionment cases. In New Jersey versus New York, for example, this Court entered a, a decree uh, which enjoined the flow of the Delaware River to New York City above a specified level, I think 411 cubic feet per second. And, and that is the kind of decree that South Carolina, uh, it, I believe, is seeking in this case. If you look at paragraph 2 of South Carolina's prayer for relief, they want an injunction against the interbasin transfers currently being carry, carried out by Charlotte and the joint venture. So and, and if and North Carolina, as a sovereign state, could represent the interests of its constituents as it sees fit, you and your fellow prospective interveners just have to do what citizens do all the time, which is convince North Carolina, uh, one, and you can help them, uh, to get as much water as they can, and two, when they get it or if they lose it, whatever they're left with, to give it to you rather than the, the other parties. Well, as to Duke, Mr. Chief Justice, I've explained, Duke's interest is not in maximizing the, the share of uh, North Carolina's share of the river. The joint venture, the Catawba River Water Supply Project, is not represented by either state because uh, it's a bi-state entity. Uh, neither — and both of the Carolinas is, are affirmatively hostile to part of the operations of the joint venture. When the joint well, venture — Well, then that's uh, — then I just wonder why you're here in an original action. What you're saying is they have all sorts of different interests, and it just is — they get to skip district court. They get to skip the Court of Appeals. They can just come right in here as if they were a state and uh, participate in the case. Well, Mr. Chief Justice, I, I think this, uh, this is not a, a, a novel proposition. The city of Port Arthur was allowed to intervene in the case of Texas versus Louisiana. Uh, five Indian tribes intervened in Arizona versus California. And New York City was allowed to be a party defendant uh, in the New Jersey case, uh, even though the court could have uh, dismissed it from the case, uh, as it did to the Indiana citizens. In you're, you're advocating a rule that says Almost you have a right to intervene because you have an interest that won't be adequately represented? Is, is that your position? Then what happens to the special master who says, no, I don't want all you guys here? Um, how do we say that that master abused his or her discretion by saying no? We are saying that the special master got it right when she said that you have to show a compelling interest that's not properly represented by a party state, and, and she applied the New Jersey versus New York test, finding at page 27 of her report that neither Charlotte nor the joint venture are properly represented. So you see the issue before us as being, was she right or wrong that even though Nevada said, I'm sorry, that North Carolina said that it was going to adequately represent each of these interests, that that just wasn't correct. I think the question is — North Carolina is not telling us the truth. 
I think the question is, should the Court accept the Special Master's recommendation? And I would disagree with uh, South Carolina uh, when it says that she applied the wrong legal test. She did apply uh, a New Jersey versus New York. She did find uh, that the interveners were not properly represented by the party states. The, interveners, the interveners are users of the water from the river. But not mere users. Uh, their status is special. Duke, of course, is unique. It controls the flow of the river, and there's no one else like Duke on the Catawba. The other two interveners uh, are the cause of the harm for which South Carolina seeks injunctive relief. They're, they're because they use a lot of water. And my question is, how do we decide once we say, yeah, the special master can let these people in with party status, what users can come in. Well, obviously, we're not going to allow all users of the river water to come in. So which ones can and which ones can't? Well, certainly our position is not that, that mere users of water or all users of, users of water may intervene in original action. You have to show a compelling interest uh, that's not properly represented, and that's going to depend upon the specific facts of the case. And is it automatic then? Is it automatic then, or is it just that no. when that condition is met, the special master can, can permit the intervention? No, no, Justice Scalia, I would say it's not automatic, because there are some other considerations the special master can bring to bear. For example, timeliness. You can't show up 20 years after litigation has started, like the city of Philadelphia, and expect to get in. Uh, you also, how helpful the intervention will be to the management of the case. Correct, or conversely. Uh, and, and, of course, the special master's determination of that is not final. It's ultimately up to us. That, that's but it correct. is a discretionary intervention you're arguing for, not a mandatory one. It is discretionary. And if, if the special master believes uh, that, uh, that this complex multi-year water rights dispute would be aided by the presence of a, of a limited number of interveners who have a very special interest in the case, then that's something that, for instance, well, what's special about it? I mean, let's say I own a little farm on the banks of the Catawba and I take water out to, so the cows have something to drink. Why does Charlotte get a, a special status just because they take a lot? I'm affected by how much water runs through there. Well, Charlotte has a special uh, status because uh, South Carolina seeks specific relief, injunctive relief against Charlotte's interbasin transfer. That well, and that relief will affect how much water is available for me to draw out and use on my farm. That's a compelling interest. I, you know, in times of drought, this water barely trickles by, and uh, if, if it's cut back, the farm's going to go down. It seems to me that when you say they have a special interest, you're just saying they've got a big interest. It's not just that it's, it's a big interest, and, and it surely is, but they are singled out in South Carolina's complaint, and injunctive relief is sought against them, which I think brings into play the, the rule this Court announced in Kentucky versus Indiana, which is that if a plaintiff or a plaintiff state in an original action is seeking a relief against uh, a citizen of a state, that citizen ought to have an opportunity to come into the litigation and defend its interests. And that's what, uh, what Charlotte is seeking in this case. The joint venture, of course, uh, is not represented by either state fully uh, because both states are hostile to at least part of what the joint venture does. Well, let's say the interest is — the dispute is really in effect between company ABC in North Carolina and company XYZ in South Carolina. I mean, do we — we would not accept an original action if they sued each other, right? No. Well, do we let them just use the states as, you know, a facade? 
to get into this court and have their dispute adjudicated here? No, as in Kentucky versus Indiana, if there are improper parties in an original action, uh, they, they can uh, be dismissed. But I think it's noteworthy that the court uh, allowed the New Jersey litigation to proceed with New York City as a party defendant. And Charlotte's position is truly indistinguishable from the position of, of New York City in that action, uh, with, with, with the sole exception that Charlotte seeks to intervene, whereas New York City was, was named as a party defendant. South Carolina invokes the principle that it is the, the master of its complaint, and, and we would agree with that in part. A plaintiff is the master of the allegations and, and claims it seeks to make, but a plaintiff is not a master of the u- universe of, of, of interests that, that may be affected by the lawsuit they, they have brought. You That's think the same, the same test applies to the appropriateness of naming a private party defendant as you would urge for intervention by a private party defendant? Yes, I think there would be a very uh, similar analysis. Uh, I think that the question whether a, a proposed defendant, and of course you need leave from this court to file an original action or to name someone as a defendant in original action. I think in both cases it raises the question, is, is this entity a proper party defendant or is the entity a, a, a proper intervener? I, th- I think it's a similar analysis. May I ask this question? In what respect does the relief sought against the city differ from the relief sought against the state? In this respect, Justice Stevens, the, uh, the, the complaint prays for North Carolina to stop authorizing the interbasin transfers being carried out uh, by uh, Charlotte and the joint venture. Uh, but, but Charlotte and the joint venture are, are the entities whose primary conduct, if you will, would be affected by, by that injunction. Uh, they're the parties who are carrying out the interbasin transfers, and they would have to stop those transfers if, uh, if authorization was, was withdrawn by North Carolina. Wouldn't it, would it be surprising if the special master recommended that all the issue that she was going to address was the relative equitable apportionment between North Carolina and South Carolina. And even though South Carolina wanted an injunction directed against the city of Charlotte, um, uh, that's up to North Carolina. North Carolina can divvy up its water however it wants. I, I think it would not be surprising if she came down, if, if she were to come down with a decree, uh, it would not be surprising that, that it would decide whether or not to allow Charlotte's interbasin transfers to continue, because that's, that's much like, like what was decided, for example, in New Jersey versus New York. There was the proposed diversion of water to, uh, to New York City, and the Court there uh, ultimately entered a, a partial injunction that banned uh, flows to New York City ab- above a certain level. Well, in, in, in deciding what's equitable as between the two states, I guess the, the Court ultimately, and the special master initially, will have to decide what uses of water by one state or the other are not equitable uses. And Justice Go Scalia, beyond what is reasonable. So I don't see how you could decide the case without deciding whether especially particularly massive uses uh, are appropriate or not. No, not just massive. There's the, it's no accident that South Carolina focuses upon these interbasin transfers because they inflict a special injury in South Carolina's view. The interbasin transfers take water out of the river basin, uh, 
And, and so it, it, it doesn't come back to South Carolina uh, within the basin. Other types of uses of water are, are non-consumptive in the sense that the water can be treated and eventually gets to South Carolina within that basin. Uh, the, South Carolina has targeted these interbasin transfers because they are entirely 100 percent consumptive in the sense that, that once the water has left the basin — Dead losses to South Carolina. It does, n- it does not come back. What is the percentage approximately — of the river that flows in to South Carolina that the three interveners account for? I, I, I don't think I have done that math, uh, Justice wow. Breyer. Uh, the, uh, I, I can tell you that, uh, that Charlotte's authorization is, is 33 million gallons uh, Out of a day. What? Out of what? Uh, well, the, the flow of the river, the, the, the minimum flow of the river uh, under, the, uh, under the CRA is uh, 1,100 uh, Cubic feet per per second. So, unfortunately, you'd have to you'd have to convert from CFS. Well, I mean, do they account for like there's a certain amount of water at dispute? Now, there's some people who want to intervene. Are the people who intervene do they account more like one percent of all the water that's in dispute, or do they account for more like fifty percent? That seems like a pretty relevant question to me. Well, I, it, it's a significant. You must have some idea. It's a significant proportion. It, it, it's not — Well, significant? Is that more like 3 percent, or is it more like 90 percent? I mean, I'm, nobody's ever bothered to look at that, this whole case? Uh, well, I, I haven't done that, that calculation. I, I will say that they're significant enough that South Carolina seeks a specific injunction against those interbasin transfers. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you mean by the water in dispute. If the main gravamen of the complaint is interbasin transfers, they, they occupy a, a huge proportion of that. And as the special master read it, I- IBTs are in her. Oh, well, that's, I agree with that. That's a good point. And, but so what percentage, if, what percentage of the interbasin transfers do they account for? Well, they represent actually 100 percent of the interbasin okay. transfers being carried out. So insofar, so insofar as what they're after is interbasin transfers, just what Justice Scalia said is correct. These are the interbasin transfer people. These are the, the IBTs at issue. That's helpful. Thank you, counsel. Thank you. Hmm? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're the people doing it. Mr. Browning? Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, let me turn to two questions that Justice Scalia asked um, Mr. Frederick, but I think his response needs clarification from North Carolina's perspective. The first question dealt with Maryland versus Louisiana. And Mr. Frederick responded to that case in which 17 pipeline companies were permitted to intervene in According to Mr. Frederick, the states in that case did not serve as parents patriae with regard to those 17 pipeline companies. That is factually incorrect. In that case, two of those pipeline companies, the Michigan-Wisconsin Pipeline Company was a a resident of the state of Michigan, one of the complaining states in that case, as well as the National Gas Pipeline Company of America was in Illinois. Maryland against Louisiana involved a specific tax on specific companies, and they were allowed to intervene. This is not that. This is a question of how the equitable apportionment of the water uh, is going to be, and North Carolina can do with the water whatever it will. Um, It strikes me as very different than Maryland against Louisiana. Your Honor, uh, in Maryland versus Louisiana, that was a taxation case, a case that goes to a fundamental interest of the states, the power of taxation. 
It did the decree only apply to tax taxing these particular companies? Could uh, could the, the state have taxed other companies after the decree issued? Yes, Your Honor. As, as the plaintiff states were seeking to attack the Louisiana uh, tax at issue, so it, it would have general applicability. As, as the allocation that, would in this case, presumably. Well, I, I don't right. — and that Is that yes question. or no? I, you, you say, yes, it would have general applicability. Uh, yes, Your Honor. Yes, Justice Scalia. Um, Your Honor, S- South Carolina has said that this case is about consumption of water in toto. But when you look at their bill of complaint, that is simply not the case. When you look at the question presented in their leave for, for — their motion for leave to file a bill of complaint, it starts out — whether North Carolina's interbasin transfer statute is invalid under the Supremacy Clause of the United States Constitution. And when you look at the allegations of the Bill of Complaint, it is specifically focused on interbasin transfers, it asserts that they are inequitable, and it's seeking injunctive relief with respect to those interbasin Well, how much else is involved? Is there — because I'm amazed that this is now coming to me for the first time — that all this case is about is interbasin transfers, and that you account for 100 percent of them, you three. Is that, is that right? Because I suspect in, like, five minutes, somebody might tell me it's not right. Your Honor, there are, there are very few interbasin transfers. And that's not my yes. question. Yes. I want — I'm — look, if Alaska sued California and the complaint was we want San Francisco back, San Francisco might have a right to intervene. But if it was about California generally, maybe they wouldn't. So what I want to know is what's the water that is at issue in this complaint and how much of the water that is at issue in this complaint do the three interveners account for? That seems like a fairly simple empirical question. Yes, That's what I'm trying to get the answer to. Uh, yes, Your Honor. The, the two interveners that have interbasin transfers account for the vast majority of the water that is consumed as a result of an interbasin transfer. In the 2006 study that was done by Duke Energy, the largest interbasin transfer is uh, the City of Charlotte at 9 million gallons per day. Council, Second, my, my basic concern is that uh, — and I'll let you finish if there's more to the answer. I'm sorry. Uh, private parties are going to hijack our original jurisdiction. And it was highlighted for me when I read your motion — the motion of private parties for a divided argument. Your proposal was that they be divided 10, 10, and 10. You didn't even want to be here. As they view the case and as you view the case, uh, it's got so little to do with the state that the state didn't even want to come here and argue the case. Well, Your Honor, that was an accommodation from the state of North Carolina with respect to the interveners. You thought um, they, their participation here before this court on a question in original jurisdiction was more important than yours, and you represent the state. Your Honor, the intervention motion directly affects each of these interveners, and they have a right to be heard with respect to that intervention. Why can't you represent them? Well, your constituents, you're the state, you're coming here directly, not even going to the district court, and you seem to be ceding your sovereignty uh, over to them. Your Honor, we do not believe that we're ceding our sovereignty with respect to Duke Energy and the Catawba River Water Supply Project, North Carolina does not and cannot adequately represent their interest. With respect to Duke Energy. Why? Okay. With respect to Duke Energy, Duke is, has 11 dams in North and South Carolina. As a result of those dams, Duke Energy controls the flow of the river into South Carolina. But you're going to defend all of their 
interests as it affects North Carolina, right? You're not incapable of well, protecting their North Carolina interests. Your Honor, their interests are inseparable, specifically with regard to Duke Energy. Duke negotiated over a period of several years a comprehensive relicensing agreement with various agencies of North Carolina, various agencies of South Carolina, and stakeholders up and down this river. As a result of that negotiated agreement, there was the CRA was put in place, which is essentially a request that FERC issue a license in accordance with the provisions of that agreement. That agreement would set a minimum flow of water into South Carolina that is much, much higher than the previous license. Now, South Carolina has come into court and has attacked that agreement. Duke has a very real and substantial interest with respect to that agreement. What is North, what's the interest of North Carolina? Well, you're your, standing there telling me why Duke has an interest. What's North Carolina's interest? Your Honor, North Carolina will defend these interbasin transfers, but with respect to Duke Energy, we are not aligned with Duke Energy because Duke has a very real interest in preserving. So oppose their intervention. Well, we believe that they have a right to be heard because of their compelling interests that are affected in this case. South Carolina is seeking to change the CRA to have a flow of water that is much higher than is set out in the CRA. Although North Carolina Isn't supports — Isn't it your interest to, to resist that? Yes, Your Honor. Not and only are we resisting that — And the CRA, right? Uh, Your Honor, North Carolina will resist having South Carolina have a greater flow of water than You the haven't CRA. answered my question. I'm sorry. Is it in your interest not to support the CRA? Yes, Your Honor. It is in our interest, because you would even like, — You would like in this litigation against the two states for the special master to undo the C your your obligations under the CRA? That will ultimately be our request in this case, because South Carolina has attacked that agreement. From North Carolina's perspective, South Carolina is receiving much more water under this negotiated agreement than they could ever hope to achieve in an equitable apportionment action. So at the end of the day, we will be asking this Court to issue a decree that sets a flow of water less so than So you are CRA. prepared to tell us right now, this is what you're saying to us, we will not represent the interest of Duke? We will not represent the interest of Are Duke. Are you prepared given their to say the same thing with respect to your city with and, respect to your, um, and to the CRWSP? With respect to the city, we have um, said in our briefs that we will defend this interbasin transfer. We believe that we will represent the city of Charlotte with respect to that regard, but we also support their intervention motions because we do not believe that it will result in them impeaching the interests of North Carolina, and more importantly, the special master got it right, that there is — this is a specific attack on the city of Charlotte and its unique interest. It is seeking injunctive relief that will cripple the largest city well, in if it's an South attack on, If it's a an attack on Charlotte, I would expect the state to be standing there protecting it and not feel that they can't do that without Charlotte itself coming into the case. Your Honor, we will defend this interbasin transfer, but the fact of the matter is injunctive relief is sought as against Charlotte, and there's something to be said for fairness in allowing that entity to, to be present in this court. Now, are, turning you, are you — prepared to say that you're not adequately defending the interests of the CRWSP? Correct, Your Honor, that that is an interstate entity. It received — its interests have been expressly attacked, the interbasin transfer. Um, South Carolina singles it out in the Bill of Complaint. Well, well what's more important — You haven't answered my question. 
You said with due that you won't support yes, we, them. Are you not going to support support the, uh, the joint venture? In we, can, we cannot represent the interests of the joint venture. They have an interbasin transfer pursuant to the North Carolina statute for Union County. But what the complaint doesn't disclose is that the other half of that joint venture also has an interbasin transfer with respect to Lancaster County, South Carolina. So South Carolina can hardly attack the Union County interbasin transfer while simultaneously defending the Lancaster County, South Carolina interbasin. Let's go back to the question of uh, couldn't. The special master receive the information she wants if these three entities come in as amici. Coming in as interveners, they have full party status. They can engage in discovery. They can protract the case. They can appeal any adverse judgment. Why isn't the most reasonable accommodation to say, we'll listen to you, but we're not going to give you full party status? Your Honor, if that were the, the standard, there would never be intervention motions in any of these proceedings. The fact of the matter is that these entities have unique interest, and with respect to the two of those interests, Duke Energy and the Catawba River Water Supply Project, their interests are not represented by either state. All three of them have been expressly attacked in the complaint, and fairness dictates that they should be an, have an opportunity to be heard. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. Uh, Mr. Frederick, you have two minutes. Uh, I have four points, Mr. Chief Justice. First, tell me, are you seeking injunctive relief out of any of the three interveners? No. We seek an injunction in joining the interbasin transfer statute to the extent it exceeds North Carolina's equitable apportionment. We are here to get our fair share of the river vis-a-vis North Carolina. And Duke's CRA application expressly disclaims any any ability to go into the interbasin transfer. That's at page 20, footnote 14 of our motion for leave to file exceptions. The FERC has said it will not affect, in giving its license, the equitable apportionment action now pending before you. In Duke's CRA at paragraph 39.9, it says it does not affect state water uses. So the only um, issue here is whether or not those expressed um, disclaimers should be given effect when South Carolina is simply seeking to determine as between the two states the rights. But it, it affects the agreement on which the license is based. It the aff- license was based upon a very hard negotiated agreement among a number of entities. The license hasn't been issued, Justice Scalia. It's still pending, and that's what FERC has before it. And FERC has said that the CRA will not affect what the license is issued. But I want to go back Are to a fundamental — Are you willing to concede that if whatever you ask for here affects that license once it's issued, that um, then Duke's intervention is proper? No. Because the United States can interest — can affect the interests and represent the interests of its licensees. Duke's interest is completely derivative of the United States' power to confer a license on an energy producer. And the United States here is saying, no, they should not be allowed to intervene. I thought Duke said the problem is is not the United States so much the United States granting the license. It's the license we requested was based upon a negotiated agreement among a number of entities, and that agreement goes out the window once uh, on the basis of, of this lawsuit. 
The agreement is a private contract among various water users, and it is no different than the fact that all users of this river will be affected one way or the other by whatever decree this Court issues, whether they are on the South Carolina side or the North Carolina side. Thank you, Counsel. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.